in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News Today. The 17 who are indicted coming back is going to make a huge difference. There may never be accountability for, for the harms that they suffered. The reaction this morning after 17 Austin police officers find out they are not going to stand trial for what they allegedly did during the 2020 protests. Today, we expect to hear directly from the Austin Mayor Kirk Watson and the Travis County District Attorney Jose Garza. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sally Hernandez. And I'm Tom Miller. DA Garza says he's going to dismiss indictments against these 17 officers tied to the protests in 2020. Protesters were injured by less lethal police ammunition, including beanbag rounds, happened as they protested the death of George Floyd and locally Michael Ramos. Austin leaders and the district attorney say they jointly asked the Department of Justice to review Austin's handling of the protests. The DOJ did not respond to our request asking if it plans to do that. I definitely welcome it with open arms, knowing that we need to ensure that we have the highest level of transparency in the city of Austin and we ensure that the mistakes of 2020 are never repeated again. I think it's political theater. Um, you know, to really to hide for the failures that our local institutions have had in holding police accountable. Four officers still face charges. APD told us because they are still active cases pending, it cannot comment any further. Now, going in depth from 2007 to 2011, the Department of Justice did look into APD's use of force policies after several high-profile incidents and made more than 100 recommendations to the department. In 2013, the DOG... DOJ declined a request by the city to review APD tactics and practices following yet another high-profile police shooting. And since the 2020 protests, Austin police implemented 17 policy changes to improve crowd control and riot management. Some of the changes include updating the department's de-escalation techniques for cadets and current police officers, stopping the use of less lethal beanbag rounds for crowd management, prioritizing community engagement efforts to come up with solutions as well. KXAN's Brianna Hollis has been following the initial indictment since they were first filed two years ago. She brings us some new insight from the attorneys representing those officers and the protesters who filed the civil lawsuit. Attorneys Ken Irvin and Doug O'Connell say the DA dismissed indictments for nine of their clients and they continue to call this prosecutorial process a political game. Obviously, they're, they're going to be happy that they can move on with their lives, uh, get back to work as police officers protecting our city. Uh, but understandably, some of them are pretty angry, and they're angry, why did I get indicted in the first place? Two of the officers they represent still face indictments. Might be that we actually have to try their cases, but we're confident that if we do, they'll end up being acquitted. We also spoke with Scott Hendler. His firm represents several people injured by police in May of 2020. Our clients feel that if there is systemic change brought about, that's more important than uh, any individual officer being criminally punished. I think that's better for our community. If we can undertake this kind of investigation by the tar Department of Justice and not rely on local police or even the Texas Rangers who have a vested interest with local police to find there's no fault. 
We still have a lot of questions surrounding the district attorney's decision-making process here. We want to know what happens next. We want to know about future implications. And we also are looking for his response to critics continuing to call this a political move. His office said he was not available this afternoon, but I will be taking those questions to him in an interview tomorrow. In the newsroom, Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Good Tuesday morning. Good to be back with you this morning. We start with a look at clouds and radar. Nice and clean on radar. A little bit of cloud cover clipping the southeast, but in general, a quiet and dry start. Live look outside on our Indeed domain camera. You're not going to see much, but something to note, the temperatures this morning, much cooler. You'll, I think, notice a little bit more of a bite there with the chill at 34 in Lano, 36 in Sabbath, 38 in Georgetown, 42 in Austin. You'll find more of those 30s and 40s working your way east of I-35. Beautiful day though once we get past this cold start. 60s by lunch, 72 as that forecast high. Well above average, plenty of sunshine to help get us there. Coming up, we actually get warmer than that by week's end, but there will be a cold front on the way and that will bring a slight chance of rain. It's also going to bring some pretty nasty winds, which we'll talk about too. All of that coming up in your first warning forecast. Hey, Austin is helping utility customers get ready for the winter cold. It will be handing out the following supplies this week. We're talking about meter keys, hose bib covers, hand crank flashlights, emergency preparedness kit materials, and winter preparedness tip sheets. You'll find them today at the city's utility customer service center on Research Boulevard in North Austin. In East Austin, that'll be at the Rosewood Zaragoza Center tomorrow, and in South Austin at the William Cannon location on Thursday morning. Kristen, thank you. Supporters of changes to Austin's land development code are going to talk today about the plan and potential benefits to Austin's housing problem. Councilmember Leslie Poole is sponsoring the Home Initiative. She's going to speak at City Hall two days before City Council will have a public hearing. Council members meet Thursday to discuss amendments and vote on the ordinance. The Home Initiative would make it legal to build up to three homes on a property. It would also create a bonus program to encourage the preservation of houses already on lots. Those opposed to the home initiative argue developers will demolish single family homes that are affordable right now. Why a state agency is using a raffle to get employees to work overtime. And what led up to this explosion at a home in a Virginia neighborhood? Several officers are okay after a house in Virginia exploded while they were attempting to search a, serve a search warrant. Officers say the suspect fired a flare gun inside the home and then it exploded. And this whole thing was caught on camera. You're about to see that explosion happen. The man was inside when it happened, but police aren't sure whether or not he made it. Shocking to see that that blast blew away the front porch, the roof flying into the air. Police say the call initially started after someone heard gunshots coming from the home. The officers all have minor injuries. They're expected to be okay. The suspect who has not been named yet has not been located. Back here at home, people who have a pending bill with Williamson County Emergency Medical Services may have had their personal information compromised. The agency says patients were mailed letters to let them know their accounts would be transitioning to a new billing vendor. But some of those letters that had sensitive information were not mailed to the home address of the patient. Instead, they were sent to the ambulance pickup point 
for those affected, and they should be notified soon. Get this, genetic testing company 23andMe now says hackers were able to get the data of nearly 7 million people. That's nearly half of the 14 million who have enrolled in the program. 23andMe was hacked in October. A spokesperson for the company said the hackers gained access to some customer accounts through reused passwords. The hackers were then able to exploit features that give users significant information about each other. Still ahead, how local power companies are working to keep furry rodents, squirrels, from leaving you in the cold this winter. And those flights to the Sugar Bowl are going fast. We're going to check the prices to see what's coming up as far as how much you're going to pay to go to the Crescent City. Steve Sarkeesian's got a job to fill on his coaching staff and... Well, he's got a bunch of veterans that have been through a wild ride, and it's going to end up with a chance to win a national title. More on that coming up. Good morning, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Live look outside to kickstart December the 5th. Kristen is back. She has the latest when it comes to your weather up in just the next few minutes. But it is December and it's gift buying season. Many of you are choosing the uh, buy now, pay later option. And specifically, these are short-term loans that can be compelling with their interest rates. But experts say you want to beware. They say these loans can be tough for people balancing debt like credit cards or student loans. Data shows a lot of younger people with difficulty getting credit cards are using these loans more often. It resulted in $6.4 billion of online spending in October. For November, it was expected to rise to $9.3 billion. Overall, it's estimated one in five Americans plan to buy now and pay later this holiday season. And if you're looking for something different to help you find the perfect gift for your loved ones, you might want to consider the world of artificial intelligence. Sounds strange, but it's a thing. This morning on Today, Consumer Reporter Vicki Wen shows us how AI can help reduce your stress, letting you spend more time getting ready for the holidays. Hey, good morning, guys. Today, it's me against the machine. We're putting AI to the test as Santa's little helper. We ask it for the hottest gifts this year and the best times to buy. What it's actually learned from what you're talking about on social media and when stores tend to drop their prices. That is all ahead on Today. Mm, I never consider this, mm. but I'm open to it. I, I say. want it. Yeah, yeah. I have a 14-year-old, soon to be 14-year-old, and he doesn't even know what he wants. That's true. And I don't know what he wants. <laughs> Nobody yeah. knows what he wants, so let the robot AI do does. it. Yeah, I like the idea of it telling me when prices are going to be a little lower. Uh -huh. Like yes. that, oh, I think sure. everybody can get for behind sure. for sure. Let me show you what's going on with your forecast here. Clouds and radar not showing much. A little bit of cloud cover over coastal Texas, but in general, we are going to be rain-free today. Leave the umbrella at home. Temperature-wise, yeah, it's cold. <laughs> They're colder than yesterday. In fact, seeing widespread 30s and 40s out there. So be sure to grab that jacket. Just know you won't need it all day. In fact, it's going to be beautiful today with 60s by lunch and that forecast high of 72. It's going to be even better than yesterday. Yesterday we got stuck in the upper 60s, but with more sunshine today, a little bit more of a southerly wind at times. I'm thinking today is going to be even better. So I'll give you a second to find your neighborhood number. You can see most of us hovering right at about 70 degrees later this afternoon. As far as your 
your sky conditions go. Sunshine today, mostly sunny again tomorrow. We're not going to see any sort of big humidity jump until later in the week. And I'm talking Friday into Saturday leading up to our next cold front. So quiet through midweek. But once we get into Friday, we'll be tracking cold front coming in from the northwest. I think it'll be passing through our area sometime early Saturday morning. Then it clears to the east, left behind sunshine, but a whole lot more wind. So want to manage expectations early. This is not looking like a very powerful rainmaker for us. Unfortunately, a few hundredths of an inch if we're lucky, mainly east of I-35 too. But that will come Saturday morning. Right now, not looking like a total washout on Saturday. But if you've got Saturday morning plans, Maybe we start thinking of a plan B. 70 forecast. We've got 70s and sunshine today. Mostly sunny, still close to 70 tomorrow. And then Thursday into Friday, we see that clouds increase. Winds start to pick up on Friday. But look at that temperature, upper 70s to finish this week. That in December, not normal. We should be looking at mid 60s. So that cold front will come through Saturday, bring us back down closer to average. Whole lot of wind Saturday afternoon with that rain chance coming in in the morning. Temperatures look coolest on Sunday highs in the low 60s. Our overnight lows will get colder too behind that cold front, but right now not looking at a widespread freeze, just waking up to some chilly morning temperatures this weekend in the low 40s. We continue to press for answers for you regarding the months long wait for Texans to get their federal food benefits and Medicaid. KXAN investigator Matt Grant has more on the new calls for a federal investigation and it comes amid a new plan to make employees work longer hours to catch up. I've been urging the federal authorities to do something about it, and they simply haven't done enough. Democratic Congressman Lloyd Doggett of Austin wants a federal intervention. On Monday, he sent this stinging letter to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, calling its response to Texas's month-long Medicaid delays woefully inadequate, writing, each day of delay causes further harm to the most vulnerable and marginalized Texans, most of whom are children and communities of color. The kind of people we're talking about, someone who just got a cancer diagnosis, someone who has diabetes, and they don't have health insurance, and they learn they can qualify for Medicaid. Doggett wants a corrective action plan to bring Texas into compliance with federal law, which requires Medicaid applications be finalized within 45 days. As of last week, the Texas Health and Human Services Commission reported approximately 150,000 Texas Works Medicaid applications still waiting to be processed. And according to this internal HHSC email Doggett's office obtained, it's taking around 120 days before some applications are even looked at. That's nearly three times the federal standard to process Medicaid applications and four times the standard for food benefits. To cut the backlog, the memo touts a holiday overtime blitz called the Six Days of Merry Service Challenge. The goal? Trim the time to start processing applications to somewhere between 50 and 70 days. Their goal, as stated there, is to be out of compliance again with federal law, to be in violation of federal law, but uh, not as badly as they have been in the past. That's just not the gold we need. From now through Saturday, employees are encouraged to work 15 hours of overtime or more. Those who do will be entered into a raffle to win amazing prizes. Well, I don't know whether to call it a joke or a desperation tactic. This, in addition to an already mandatory 20 hours of overtime a month, started in 2020. Part of a corrective action plan then to cut the federal food benefit backlog in Texas. And it's really 
insulting to the many people that are out there that need access to a family physician that shouldn't go hungry because of indifference at the state level. Matt Grant, KXAN investigates. Matt, thank you. The Texas Health and Human Services Commission says those incentive prizes are paid for out of pocket by agency leaders and do not involve your tax money. In a statement, HHSC tells us it is, quote, taking all possible actions to provide benefits to eligible Texans as quickly as possible. It is also working with federal partners in order to implement immediate strategies to reduce the number of SNAP and Medicaid applications in the queue. As we've reported before, these strategies include redirecting 250 employees to focus on combined SNAP and Medicaid applications and putting 600 staff through Medicaid training. The governor's office reiterated it is moving aggressively to reduce the backlog. Centers for Medicaid and Medicaid, Medicare and Medicaid Services is working on a response, which we will post online once we receive it. According to the nonprofit KFF, Medicaid in Texas has dropped 1.4 million people since guaranteed coverage during the pandemic ended in April. That is more than any other state. And HHSC says it meets with federal officials on a regular basis to talk about the end of continuous Medicaid coverage. Austin wants the LGBTQ plus community to feel empowered to report crimes at Austin Public Libraries or Parks and Rec staff. In a new memo, the city said it would soon provide the training needed for staff to help those people who want to report something. The goal of the program is just to help improve the public trust in law enforcement. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. Longhorns could be facing the Heisman Trophy winner in the Sugar Bowl. Michael Penix Jr., the Washington quarterback, along with Bo Nix, who he beat in the Pac-12 championship game. Jaden Daniels of LSU and Marvin Harrison Jr., receiver from Ohio State, are the four finalists for the Heisman Trophy. Penix Jr.'s name has been in and out of the discussion all season. Numbers, well, they're staggering over 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns, and of course, a perfect season for Washington. Longhorns with that one loss, but they are playing as well as anybody in the country, and especially the last two ball games and their wins over Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Sark always says he's learned to celebrate the little victories and the little things. Well, on Sunday during the announcement and after, he was able to celebrate the older guys. I kind of took a moment to look at Jalen Ford, Tavondre Sweat, um, Jordan Whittington, JT Sanders, um, th those guys that signed up for something totally different than when we came. And there was, you know, the journey has been difficult at times and it hasn't been all celebrations and cheers and there's been some tough, tough moments. So to see those guys be able to have that emotion yesterday on the field after the game uh, and that emotion right there that they're competing for a national championship, that's that's why they came to the University of Texas, right? That's that in your mind when you go to college and all right, I'm going to I'm going to go to Texas. I'm going to be competing for a national championship. Well, now that's a reality. You know, now we, we get a we get a, a one game you know season here, and if we're good enough, then we get another game season. And so now it's just putting forth the right effort and energy to try to make that happen. Sark's got a job opening. Jeff Choate introduces the new Nevada head coach. He's been his co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Texas. He's a former head coach at Montana State. Gets another crack at that, but he'll stick around. And well, he's got a pretty good blueprint for coaching at two places at once for a short time.
Coach Sarkeesian has been through these experiences too, uh, as an assistant coach taking a head coaching role. And I think that there's how many t- times you're going to get a chance to play for a national championship. And it's not really about me, it's about providing consistency for the players on the defensive side of the ball. You know, there's going to be some long days, um, but I think the right thing to do is to, is to provide consistency and stability for the guys in the program there and finish the mission at Texas. College basketball news, Texas women jump all the way to number five after their win over UConn. They're home tomorrow night to Long Beach State. UT men, they're on the road. Interesting matchup as they take on Marquette, coached by Shaka Smart. Back to you. Thanks, Roger. For those listening on the KXAN Today podcast, thanks for being with us. Here's what we're tracking at 5 on KXAN Today. A first responder to a deadly crash telling their story to KXAN. Hear that and the push for improvements to part of State Highway 130.